we went on the bus one time. We were like quite late on. It's like the Americans and the Canadians kind of already sat down. There's like not that many seats left. And then like the the English boys are like walking on and one of the Americans is like, seats taken. He laughs and that walks a little bit forward. And then one of the Canadian goes, can't sit here. The thing from Forrest Gump is that the girl that he fancies at the back is like, oh, you can sit here. So then there's a guy from the back who's like, you can sit here if you want. And everyone's just cracking up. It's like go to war. Like, you know, it's going to be horrible. Like everyone's going to suffer. So like we may as well have a bit of a laugh here first. Hey, what's up? Welcome to Last Show Counts. The summer has basically been and gone now, and now we're just waiting for the World Championships before the start of a new season. And it's also been crazy busy over for us at Rogue. So we wanted to kind of let you know what we were up to and also take this as an opportunity to chat some more crap about rowing and hopefully get some more stories out. Yeah, definitely. We've had some, we've had some mad good episodes there's been some there's been some deep ones some long rides um first first string of olympians first olympic gold um been some some you know been some pretty heavy places which has been incredible been awesome to see the journey but um we felt like maybe we're just lagging a little bit on that stupid stupid rowing chat which uh which comes and goes depends on on who's on the episode so uh yeah we'll, we'll get into a bit of that as well yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so what what have we been up to these last few weeks <sighs> fixing lots of row machines lots of row machines got so many clubs now ramping up for the um for the start of the new season and i've i feel like i've spent 10 years telling people to try and get ahead of it and um finally they have so yeah i've been really busy doing loads of that um getting in with the kit as well which is pretty good been sending out a bunch of uh of kit sample boxes um that's really exciting again sort of getting on top of that thing that's kind of been in the background for the last six months something like that um yeah it's kind of hard to like juggle organizing guests for the podcast servicing over 100 rowing clubs a year and also doing rowing kit but here we are yeah there's been a lot of interest and yeah the designs that we've produced uh seem to have really caught on so we're looking forward to like seeing out at the regatta venues next season we've been saying that uh, we've been saying 100 clubs but it's definitely more than that now i think especially considering all the rings uh, all the crossfit yeah. stuff i mean there's so many gyms that we go to nowadays and uh it's yeah concept twos aren't just used in rowing clubs yeah it's good yeah well and the bikes and the skis and all those things it's, it's been really good but um yeah i mean the, the really fun thing has been has been growing the growing the podcast um got lots more people booked in um some more exciting ones to come definitely some some we'll probably talk about in a bit some some we might keep hidden until until we get closer um but no it's been it's been really fun it's been cool still just like surreal getting recognized uh around places um so you got recognized in your gym (laughs) yeah so the other day i was uh i did my classic 11 p.m. nighttime workout because that's the only time that I had available to go to the gym. And then I heard some people chatting about this Oxford City Royal Regatta or something like that. And then I was I asked them about entries or something like this. And then one of them looks at me and is like, you're the rogue guy, aren't you? And I'm like, oh shit, like no way. This is like the gym that I've been going to for years. And what's happening here? But then we got into some really, really interesting chats, uh, talked some more crap about rowing, 
gave a bit of some behind the scenes stories of uh, what it's been like on a podcast and with some of our guests and kind of like what we're planning in the, in the next few weeks. So definitely, if you do see us, do say hi, because you might get some inside info and some inside source. Yeah, we, um, like over Henley, we definitely expected some people probably to, to say hi, and they did, and that was still awesome, you know, even though it was like, obviously, you know, it's Henley. But um, we also literally on the way to uh, doing our podcast with Jack, someone spotted us in the van uh, and shouted across the road. They were out walking their dog, and they had headphones in, and he was like, hey, guys. I'm listening to your podcast right now. I'm listening to your Ben Lewis podcast right now. <laughs> and we were just like, what? Like, it's in Henley, obviously, uh, the home of rowing, but I'm still like, what are the chances that someone would just walk past the van and be like, actually listening to, a, to us chat shit about rowing? And then that moment as well, because, okay, fair enough, like, I've listened to your podcast, but like, I'm doing this right now. Yeah. Okay, now that's when it gets a little bit crazy. But uh, so, yeah, that's been pretty cool. Like feedback's been awesome. Um, I don't know if you guys might have seen some of the stuff we shared, get some really, some really like heartfelt feedback, which is awesome. Like really good to hear that people are interested in what we're doing. Um, the choice to go long format for us was we really wanted to explore like the backstories for, for our guests and stuff. And some people have kind of been like, oh, it's too long and I don't want to listen to it. But um, I think now we got into some like real, some real stories and get into the depths of people's careers and their life and, ups and downs like the feedback seems to be really good so that's really good i mean in terms of like i think we're about to hit like sort of twenty thousand total views um across all platforms yeah on a long format video yeah yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy that some people will complain that it's too long i mean yeah next time we get tim foster on we're just gonna have a quick 20 minute catch up and then yeah. uh, i won't i won't ask him any in-depth questions because he's really interested in that right too much, too much free content. Uh, please, no. <laughs> I get it. Like, it's sometimes you, it, yeah, it's a lot. And like, well, but also the feedback is that people aren't listening to it all in one go. Like, they're able to listen to that over like a couple of journeys. Or um, we had someone said they're listening to it on the bikes, on the long distance UT2 bikes. So I think that's a good, that's definitely a good place to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. Like, the preseason training must be in full, full order now. Uh, but I can't, yeah, I can't think of anything better to listen to than just some inspiring, motivating chats with like some, some stories that will just add fuel to the fire. Yeah. And we've always said like, it's impossible to please everyone. So just try and create content that we would enjoy. So hopefully like, yeah, it seems like other people are enjoying it. Um, and it's growing slowly, but yeah, I mean, if you love, if you're loving it and, uh, you get a chance to spread it around, if you want to stick. Stick your favorite episode on social media or Facebook or Instagram or something like that. Um, share it around, like tell a mate or tell your club. That would be awesome because obviously we want to keep doing this. We want to keep bringing you guys awesome guests. Um, we want to branch out. You know, obviously we start with 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 our wheelhouse, which is British British athletes, and uh, and we'll definitely have some more of them to bring post post world championships. But we'd love to like branch out and go for other countries and potentially you know do things like uh maybe you know fly into europe and speak to some people the czech team polish team german team something like that the sinkovich uh, brothers maybe yeah i mean that would be that'd be awesome there's a cost involved in that so uh we'll see we'll see how we go but uh so far no really enjoying it and yeah like if you are then uh yeah give us give us a shout out somewhere um it would be really helpful yeah, we'd absolutely appreciate if you just put it in like some of your Facebook groups or some of like the rowing chats that you're a part of or, you know, the community of your club. If you spread the word, are we going to keep bringing you even better guests? And like, I know we've been trying to set the bar pretty high, but guys, there are still ceilings to go here. And also, 
rowing is one side of the podcast, but also what we really want to focus on is life after rowing, but also business and how you can use the transferable skills between the two disciplines and carry it like anywhere you go in life. So if you think we're just going to be doing some backstories, you are going to be in for a treat when you see some of the episodes we've got coming up later this year, including some panels. We've had some interesting suggestions, even from our previous guests about who they'd like to bring on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, we've got some options. Like we've got six mics now. We've got some options to, to bring some panels of guests on, maybe crews, you know, get get um, squad pair on or, or something like that. Like we'll, we'll see how we go with that one. But yeah, it's... Uh, the format will vary and we're going to do our best to bring different content. Um, but whenever you get a guest on, you know, like Alex or Tim or, or Vicky, like I'm not going to not sit here and like find out about, about your life and your journey and stuff. So these, these things are like, I'm going to have a guest that big on and then that's what we're going to focus on. I reckon. Yeah. Awesome. So speaking of preseason, how do you best prepare yourself for hell week? Wow. Um, what is hell week? Well, depends doesn't it but most clubs on the first training week back will do some sort of testing so most people do a 2k or a 2k and a 5k or one or the other or some water testing some pieces of some some point to just get a handle on on where their athletes are who's been looking after themselves over the summer who's been eating too many pies <laughs> why are you looking at me <laughs> um so yeah i mean i guess whatever form it is like the point is you know first first full week of training back um it's generally tough there'll generally be some performance pieces or testing in most clubs um or certainly within that first first period so best piece of advice would be definitely have a break but then also the sooner you start before pre-season the the less of a shock it's going to be to the system so i think the two if you're waiting to like two days before to get back on the on the on the cross training, then then you're going to struggle. Okay, so what? Okay, let me picture a scenario. What if you've been out for a lash all summer and it is two days to go, and then your hell week consists of a five k, two k, half hour, and max weights? What do you do then? Last minute survival tactics. Just, just prepare for pain. Uh, I think I I did a similar thing. To be fair, my first year back. My first year at Leander, lucky enough, won Henley, went away that summer and did nothing, just just enjoyed my life. Had a real long summer off. It was like one of the only summers in my career where I had off from Hen well, from Henley Regatta to first week of September. I did do, we did do Nat Nat Champs, but we did like three sessions for him. It was awful. And absolutely awful regatta. Um but yeah, I did absolutely nothing and then turned up that first week back and oh, just felt like I had the flu. It was absolutely in bits. I had to walk down the stairs backwards because my hamstrings were just torn up from from squatting. And um, I don't think we did like a max 2K, luckily enough. But yeah, we did some testing and it was just awful. It was awful. I felt awful. I was so, I felt like so destroyed. I could barely eat at one point. And it was just a horrible experience. Um, so... I've, I guess time to pay the piper if you've uh, if you've done nothing all summer. But I mean, I would still just say like, if there's reasons why you know, if it's if you've been busy, if you've had exams, if you've had something else you had to go and do, family or traveling or whatever, like it depends where you are in your program and how far you're trying to get that year. But I would I would still just, just like say like be sensible. You know, if you really know you've not done enough training, 
you don't want to be the first week of your season to just make yourself incredibly ill and spend the next four weeks off. So, like I said, it's not necessarily everyone. It's going to depend where you are, where you're training, what the deal is. But like, if you really feel you're not set up for whatever's going to be put in front of you on week one, I would personally put my hand up, you know, in private, go and speak, see the coach and just be like, listen, you know, for whatever reason it is, I really haven't had a chance to get fit yet. Uh, I really don't think I'm going to perform on these tests. Um, you know, and I think any any reasonable coach, you know, should you be confronted with some sort of heavy testing phase, might, you know, might be happy to delay that. I mean, I know one example from, obviously, from from someone we used to coach went into sort of how week got a bit ill, um, told the coach, and the coach was like, okay, fine, you know, we're not going to test you when you're ill. We're going to wait two weeks, two, three weeks, and I wait till you get better and we'll test you then. It can some, it definitely, at the start of the season, I reckon it can feel like, it's like everything's collapsing, you know, if you're having a really first, your first two Ks awful or you're getting ill in your first week or, or you've got an injury or whatever, it's like, oh my God, it's like the worst time, the worst timing. It's always the worst timing. It's always, it doesn't matter when it is in the season. Like it's never going to be good timing to get ill or injured. Yeah, um, they, they don't call it hell week for a reason. There's never a good week for a 5K and 2K and a half hour. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you, you know, if you're taking your race seriously, if you're, if you're going to a high performance club, if you're at Leander Brooks, you know, something like that, like high performance center or university program. The assumption is that, you know, if you want to take it that seriously, you, you're going to be, you're going to have put the work in. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're not taking your wearing it seriously and you turn up and it's all a bit crazy, I would still say like, you know, your, your body is your business. As Jürgen used to tell us, like if you get ill, you're not, you can't do anything, you can't do any training. So be sensible, like crack on with it, like do your best. But if you're really feeling like you're struggling, don't just, suffer in silence you'll end up bedding in a bad injury or you know something that's going to hurt hurt your chances later down the line so it's, it's a trade-off yeah if you feel like you've done hell week and you're dying just think cause and effect if that's the effect that you're feeling what was the cause of that and try and just avoid that into the future or use sort of like some visualizations to like help you through the dark moments and to pull yourself on the other side of the pain and come october it will get much much easier yeah, I mean, also, I would have hoped that anyone, any any high performance program, will have let their athletes know what the plan is. So it's, it shouldn't be like you're walking into just completely unknown. Like, oh, I thought it's coming for like twelve k U two two, and it's a two k yoga test. Like, uh, or I should imagine that most people would prepare athletes for that. I love a good surprise two k test, and by love, I mean I absolutely despise it. We used to at school have our coach. We would uh, we have like a session. He's right. We're going to go out in fours. We're going to do some timed pieces. Then we're going to uh, adjust the uh, the lineup of those fours, and then we're going to do some more timed pieces. Like, so we're doing seat racing. No, 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 no. <laughs> right, we're just going out in fours. We're going to do some timed pieces. We're going to adjust the lineup, and we're going to do some more timed pieces. Not seat racing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is all happened. We went out and did seat racing. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Uh, I mean, everyone, yeah, everyone knew what was going on. Uh, that was a, that was a training camp. I was a training camp in Henley, actually, with school. We, uh, oh man, we had um. There's this place we used to stay. This this woman called Mrs. Fotherby had this amazing old house up in um, Stoke Row, and there's, she had a swimming pool there and like loads of bedrooms, and she cooked all the food and looked after us. But she only had space for like, I think like maybe like ten or twelve guys. But there was like 30 guys on the camp 
So we had this, I think we had like a, maybe like a five or a six day. So it was a six day camp. So the first half, first three days of camp, we slept in sleeping bags on the village floor down in Remenham. And like there's a village hall down in Remenham. Slept down there like with just everyone on the village floor, like making our own and to cook our own dinners in this tiny little kitchen for everyone. And then the second, then the next three days, we got to go and stay at Father Bee's and eat her cooked food and like swimming. The there's probably other people that stayed at her house because she's sort of she was on the list for like Henley Cruise. She used to like rent her house out for Henley Cruise as well. Um, and we yeah, we had it the best way around. So we went from this th- three crappy days in the cold village floor to this this amazing house and jumping in the pool. And then the upper sixth, the year above us, they had the other way around. So they had the really nice. Cause they were like super. Oh, we're going we're going to Fotheby's first. Like we we've got it. And then they actually realised that they messed up because then they went from like the best bit of camp to then sleeping on the rough floor with their and their teacher used to snore as well so he's like had it had him i won't say his name he had him snoring in the corner so <laughs> yeah that's that, that is a trough trade-off that is peak i love i remember that we went when we did the training camp uh last year together uh for the college um we did our best to try and get internet we had a 3g dongle but again we weren't even in the middle of nowhere but it was just like no internet and like you said to me, like, yeah, but Tom, like, when have you been on a good training camp that had internet? <laughs> well, that, that is that is so true. I cannot remember a single training camp that had like a semi-decent signal. We didn't even have, yeah, not like not even phone signal, let alone internet. Like yeah. I remember we went on, on school training camp. This camp, so up in Stoke Row, zero phone signal. And we would, we would then drive into Henley twice a day for sessions. And as you drove down the hill into Henley, you would get signal. Then there's be like three minutes, you know, five minutes from when we got signal to when we had to jump out the bus and get rowing. So five minutes, like text my girlfriend, oh, I'm still alive. How are you doing? <laughs> uh, and then we'd go rowing and then we'd jump in the bus and then you've got like five minutes to send another text before you shoot out of out of zone. And then, yeah. But then uh, that was actually like super freedom to like not, even at that point, we didn't have internet on our phones or anything, but just like not even be able to in contact with that one, just live, sleep, breathe, rowing. That was... It was pretty cool. Eh? You don't get that much anymore. Yeah, that is perfect. You also like get to bond with your teammates so much more because it's one thing like living in times when there is no technology and that is the norm. But when you are used to just having your phone on you twenty four seven, and then suddenly you can't even make a phone call. Now that that's when like you really find out like who you're on training camp with and like who you're rooming with and good crew bonding. Yeah, I remember we used to. I mean, that's awesome. That's how I found. Uh, I started listening to Bob Marley. Because this kid Will Bowen had a Bob Marley CD, and every time we put it in, like none of us got more than like two songs in before we fell asleep. So we'd just bang it on in the afternoon, so we could have a little afternoon nap before third session or whatever. Um, but all right, so what are your tips for getting back to the start of season? My tips for getting back into the start of season: stretch, 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 stretch. If you had a summer of doing absolutely nothing, okay, so let's take it as two scenarios, right? One, you've had a summer of doing absolutely nothing. So all your tendons and all your muscles will have shrunk in uh, definitely, even if it's just a little bit. So you just want to make sure that if you're going to do like a repetitive strain exercise, which rowing is, you, you want to make sure that you're as stretch as possible, as flexible. Because, okay, you might not have the fitness, but at least you'll be able to like utilize your muscles effectively and not give yourself an injury. Versus if you have been training very hard during the summer, just know that there are people who haven't probably in your squad. And this is now your time, especially if you're on a come up in the squad, to show them exactly what you've been up to and why you are going to be a force to be reckoned with 
in the upcoming season? I'd still be wary of going too hard too early. It's a long season and you want to be able to build through through the season. So you still want to make sure you're using this initial period as like getting into things. Um, but again, it depends, you know, if you're in a squad that's, that the size is going to get cut. You know, if there's some people that aren't going to make the grade, then certainly, you know, you need to turn up and perform. Um, but also remember that you want to leave yourself somewhere to go. Yeah, you definitely don't want to uh, be cut literally the first week of the Hell Week, which uh, one of us at this table has been, and it is not Tom. I'll tell you that much. It's a bit different when uh, the the group that you were hoping to go into didn't exist at that club at the time, the, the development group. So it's a bit of a... Yeah, it's true. I mean, there's a caveat to that. <laughs> there is a caveat to that. Yeah, like obviously, you know, you just finish off juniors, you, you're semi decent, and then you're like, okay, well, I'm just racing these 24 year olds. I'm 18. That's basically the same. It is not. <laughs> and six years is a really long time. Yeah, if I turned up at 18 at Leander and was trying to break into the ladies' place, well, there's absolutely no way of getting. Like, I needed that year, two years before I got into a play eight to develop. Two years into the veg in the veg steamer in the veg steamer yeah no no the veg steamer was the ladies plate eight because we were the veg oh right so that was they were the veg steamer but he did beat them like from time to time so uh, I mean yeah like on some like random timed pieces rate stepped and things like that like when there were conditions uh, yeah I bet you never let them like forget it I don't know no we we I wasn't that that wasn't the kind of crew that you riled up like they were they were a pretty incredible crew like you didn't. Never give anyone any more reason to beat you than they already have. Is a is a nice tip I like. And that is a classic Tom quote, and he says it to me all the time. Yeah, like if some like as someone they they're racing against you, they already want to beat you. The last thing you want to do is turn around and give them some smite, snide comments, something to feed off some like anger to just like rile them up. So what would you suggest? Uh, tie their shoelaces, tie all their nuts and balls. Just be super nice. Be like, well, I, can't, I don't want to beat them because they've just been so nice. Just just whenever you get into the landing stage and they're, and they're not in and they can't see you yet, just dip one each of their shoes and all that. <laughs> <laughs> Go for the psychological. <laughs> but only but one. only one, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that is brilliant. Right. <laughs> or the other thing that people used to do, um, if you didn't have like a see-through water bottle, would be to like take someone's water bottle and, and like change the juice or like put some like tea or coffee or something random in it so like when you get down to the bottom you have your first drink of juice like i'm not i don't think i don't advocate psychological warfare there's a quite a famous story when leander raced cambridge i think it was um one of the like the pre-boat race max fixtures and uh about halfway through the piece cambridge get up and they've got up out and clear water leander's like struggling hard and it's like a pin somewhere grave, like all the big names are in it. And one of the Cambridge guys shouts, um, I think it's in Pinson's book, one of the Cambridge guys shouts like, oh, is that all you've got, Redgrave? Oh, I thought there was, I thought you were supposed to be bigger than this. And then the whole Leander boat goes from having just accepted defeat to like, well, fuck you then. Uh, and just absolutely switches it on and rags it straight back through them. And it's like, you would have had that. If you, if you, could, if you managed to keep yourself from gloating, we won that piece, so. Fuck, you don't want to mess with the old penny boy. That's the classic example of why you don't do something like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not the first person to have said it. Right, so I guess you start off with the hell week at the start of the season just so you can get into cruise, get back into training, or is it for trials? I think most of the time it's just to assess where you are, get some markers on the board. You know, it's going to be difficult through the season 
to know how you're progressing the speed you're progressing at if you don't have a baseline it's about setting a baseline i guess for most for most crews clubs athletes um uh and yeah like and then it's good for you you know as you get fitter stronger better through the season you get to see this is where i started this is where i'm at now so like was there a situation where for example someone had a shocker start to the season and then you were supposed to row a pair with them at trials and then that just fell apart I've had a lot of I've had a lot of fairs partners. Yeah, I've seemed to generally been stuck quite a lot out on my own. Um, certainly, like as a junior, my, like at my school, uh, I went had to went through quite a few different pairs partners. Some from my school, some from given me from other schools. Um, paired up with a guy from Dulwich that didn't necessarily work particularly well. Um, and through under twenty threes, uh, like trying to trying to swap sides. You know, at one point swapping sides onto. Bow side to get in a pair with Will Satch, and then oh, just all sorts of different people. Um, I don't know, like, like on paper, you know, you're only as good as your last result. But the reality is, if you know you've had a bad one, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too hung up on it. And ultimately, irks don't float, as they say. So, and like the real, the real results are going to come on the water, and you're going to have plenty of time. Most clubs assess weekly uh, on the seeing the single or the pair, so you have plenty of time to put a performance in. Right. So this is one thing that I actually wanted to like ask because I genuinely don't know. How do you like decide who you're going to trial in a pair with? Does your club decide? Does the coach decide? Does the GB decide? I, I've no idea like how that works. It depends what club you're at, but um, yeah, it depends what group you're pulling from. So there's been times when I've been in a ladies' plate squad at Leander, but there was only say two of us that were under 23. So like naturally, you want to trial. If you're an under 23 athlete, you want to do your best to try with another under 23 athlete because you want that you want that performance as a whole to to count towards that. Whereas if you went in a, with a senior athlete, um, you know it's 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 more difficult to say. Or it's, it's not it's not going to count as well with you because the assumption would be that maybe that senior athlete has like put more in. It, it might not even be the case. Yeah, I'm in more like in the squad. So, for example, you, you know how like you like say back in the day, right? You had obviously Tim and James, Tim Foster and James Cracknell rowing a pair together. Then there was Greg Searle, Ed Jubilator, and then Pinson Redgrave. So, for example, if one day Tim Foster turned around and said, "I wanted to row a pair with Greg Searle," no, 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 the athlete doesn't get to choose. No, for the most part, for as you get to more high performance systems uh, programs. Um, it'll be a pairs matrix so you'll run a pairs matrix and the fastest two pair will go as the fastest on each side and then they'll rank down that way um, oh okay if you haven't had an opportunity like I said if you if that's that's if it's open to the whole squad if it's if it's split between seniors and under 23s again they might just the coach is going to decide whether you have a pairs matrix or not whether the coach feels like he's got enough information to decide but yeah no you don't I've never been in a situation where I've been like right I want to work with him and actually, I've been in a situation where I've not been not allowed to row with someone I wanted to row with. And I sort of, I don't know if I told this story already, where I had to sort of engineer a situation. Oh, to, go on. I don't think you have told this story on the podcast. Do you know the one I'm talking about? I do know the one that you're talking about. So I, um, yeah, it was a year at Leander where I, I was sort of one of the only athletes there who'd previously been to the 23 World Championships. So there was a couple of other athletes that are under 20, still under 23 by age, but maybe not quite pushing the standard at that point like so the other guys around people like Al Sinclair were still sculling John Collins was sculling um and uh Will Satch had either gone into the team already or or was um doing a pair of Will Lawton um 
and then another guy so James Orme then got had had a few bad performances in the team got sent back to Leander from the team and didn't really have anyone to pair with um, so they asked because I wanted to go in a pair with him I was like well obviously like this guy's just been just been sat in the team like clearly I want to I want to go in a pair with him um, but we were we were I was up in the run up to eight head and my coach at the time Chris Collerton really wanted to focus on the eight I wonder if he hears this story, so I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, he really wants to focus on the eight, and he was like, like from from straight as soon as James came back, he was like, "Listen, you got, I, I don't care if you want to do extra, you can go and do extra, but like the focus in the eight, we're doing all our training in the eight. So we did start doing like a third session down in the pair. There's like quite a lot of mileage, doing high mileage in the eight already, and uh, I was just like, oh, like. This is this sucks. Like I've got an opportunity finally. You know, I've been struggling for pairs partners, been bouncing around, like finding some people. Had a, had a great one with Sean Dixon next year, but we didn't get to race any names. Anyway, so um, I just went to Orman and was like, "Listen, you need you need to go to the head coach and just be like, listen, look, this pair is like my last chance. That's my last chance to get back in the team. If I don't put performance in the farm trials here, yeah, I'm not going to get invited back into the team. That's going to be it for me. I'm going to have to go and get a real job." Um. As opposed to playing online poker, which which is how he'd been making his money uh, up until that point, which is quite quite good at. Um, so I got him to do that. So I kind of like inceptioned the the situation by basically I got Orm to speak to the head coach and be like, look, I really I really want to focus on this pair. The head coach then goes to speak to my coach Chris, and then the next day Chris comes up to me and I have to like pretend like I don't know what he's going to say. He's like, oh Tom, okay, I've had a word with Mark, and uh, you know he says. Uh, uh, Mark wants us, wants you and James to focus on the pair. So half the sessions you're going to go out in the pair. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess. I mean, if that's what Mark wants. <laughs> uh, so we did. I mean, we still obviously did well, well at A said. And at the end of the day, I guess that was Chris's focus. You know, as a coach at the club, he was he was um, been tasked with getting a result at A said. So I don't really have any malice against him. But at the same time, like I, I think there are situations in your in your career where. You have to look after yourself because you know, no one else is, is going to. So that's maybe one of them times that I um, played it played it to work in my favour. Although at times I've been told that I wasn't. There were other people who do that better than me anyway. So I probably wasn't always the person that managed to engineer the situation for my own benefit. And that is a classic Tom Clark Inception type <laughs> type of plan, <laughs> but it worked. So I'm guessing like um, you did well at trials. We had a good race. We came twelfth in the time trial. Um, which put us in the in the lower slot um, for the semi final. I messaged you some on the other day on social media. I still got a photo from that final. This what did we say? There's like 13, 14. I think sixteen. Sixteen Olympic medals now in that final, including like nine gold or something. It was it yeah. was a pretty stacked lineup. We had Hodge and Reed. Um, this is so this is two thousand eleven. So it's Hodge and Reed. Um, it was like Cam Nickel and Greg Searle. Uh, Alex Partridge and Will Satch, Tommy Wilkinson, Tommy Burton, Matt Langers, and Dan Ritchie. Uh, I think that's about it, yeah. Then you would have been the sixth player, yeah? Yeah, we went out like about and we led them all. <laughs> I led Hodgson Reed. <laughs> I led Hodgson Reed to the K. I felt good. Uh, we said, like, what are we going to do? You know, we've come 12th, like, what are we going to do? Like, like, we're, you know, six make the A final, six make the B final. And and 11 crews have, have qualified to here faster than us. So what are you going to do? You're just going to, you got to go and go out and take it, like take the ball by the horns, whatever. 
So we, we went out, we absolutely sent it. A great start, felt awesome, felt powerful, strong, fast. Um, got out in front, had a bit of a lead. Like I'm literally like looking back at Hodge and Reed, Alex Partridge and Will Satch, like they're like here, you know? And you're like, I'm not like, I'm not having to like look across to see them. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, we're like out ahead. Um, we came through the K and I felt pretty good. And I was like, oh shit, this, this, this could be on. Or we can know coming into the K. Yeah. Um, but then I just start to feel, I start to feel Orm die. And then I was like, ah, I know why I feel good. So I've been carried here. <laughs> I've been carried for 900 meters by this guy. He's just gone off like a bat out of hell. Um, and then to be fair, like it wasn't even Hodge and Reed came for us first. It was, I remember it's like Alex Partridge and Will Satch came for us first. And I was like, oh no, here we go. This is going to be painful. Um, and we finished fifth or sixth. I guess at the time for me, it was a good result. I ended up going into a under 23 four, like me, Matt Tarrant. I think it was Mason and Scott Duran. Um, did like the speed order that year and I ended up going to the team. I ended up going to the team again in the eight and got a medal. So it was good. It was good, but yeah, it's uh, it was what it was. Okay, so you can inception your coach into making you row a pair with someone. But one thing I don't get is sometimes you see two pairs and uh, say it's club A with club B and then there's a club B with club A. Why can't they just do a club A? pair and then the whole club b pair what wouldn't that mean? be better for like for the club what do you mean mixed between two different clubs yeah yeah like if for example if you have let's say an athlete from leander rowing with an athlete from thames and then you have another pair where there's an athlete from leander rowing with an athlete from thames why don't you just have a leander pair and a thames pair uh that's probably most likely to do the fact that some of them are under 23 and some of them are senior or um it just could be that maybe they've rode together before, or it's a combination that works, or they've done, or they've done a speed order, and it's a combination that works. Like I'd be more interested. Like it's it's about the performance, isn't it, for for that athlete? So it's more important to go in the boat that you can make go fastest than it would be to stay in your club boat. Okay, so like basically, what I'm getting at here is that the who you get to row with for trials, the jurisdiction doesn't fall onto the club or onto the athlete no, it comes like, up from the yeah especially in the team uh, like in the GB team like you said when you most will see like a Molesny Leander or a UL and a and a Tidewest Gullers combination or whatever that's because they've been rowing in that squad together for some time anyway and they probably would have done a pairs matrix and worked out that's fastest or in 2013 just get stuck with Ollie because uh, Fred Fred unfortunately couldn't continue so there was Fred Fred Gill uh, my 2013, my first year in the senior team, yeah. Fair play to man. This guy had, um, has diabetes and was managing the whole program the whole time whilst also dealing with diabetes, which is insane. I shared a room with him on camp, on altitude camp a few times. It's just like, you know, you think it's brutal with a fully functioning body and you got to add anything else into the mix. Like, it's really, really difficult. And it just got to the point where it was beyond, you know, what he could take. Um, so 10 days before final trials, he dropped out and I had to jump in the pair with Ollie, which is not a bad thing. It was great. You know, Ollie Cook's a fantastic athlete. You know? We had a great time. He definitely pulled me through that camp because that was a struggle having spent, having not rode stroke side for two years, two, two, yeah, at least two years at that point. And to jump back in, work it out in 10 days. Fair. Fair play. Yeah, I mean, because that also happens, you know, like coming into final trials, like no one wants to put in a bad result and no one, there are there are points in your in your year with rowing where you can carry 
so you can carry injuries. You can know when you're, maybe your back's not perfect, your wrist's not perfect, but you can still train, still do pieces. You can carry a bit when it comes to like a final trial performance. You don't want to be carrying any injuries. So the other thing will happen sometimes, you know, as you get closer to the event, certain people will be like this, you know, I'm not 100%. And like, I don't want to put, I don't want to put performance down when I'm not 100% because unfortunately it's the way it is that performances count more than no performances and generally what we used to say would be um you know no performance is better than a bad performance so um sometimes it can that can sound a bit negative you know or that can sound like there maybe there's an opportunity when someone if they think they're not going to have a good performance that they would then maybe try and engineer not being able to go there i mean that's quite difficult because you have to you know if you're ill you have to have a doctor's note you have to actually go and see a doctor who says you're ill um if you're injured things like that you'd have a note from the physio so i think it would be difficult to engineer it but i can understand why anyone who's not 100 percent fighting fit would not would not want to go and put that performance down especially something you know like a final trial or or you know one before final trial you know that's a performance that you're going to get judged heavily on and that is is either going to get you in the inside or leave you on the outside. So, um, yeah, you'll find that some people will drop out late and you'll need to, you know, some people will just have to like jump in, jump in a pair, get a performance in, put, put something down. Okay, that's, that's, that is actually something that I've always wondered but never actually got, got uh, asked to ask a question or got an answer to it. Yeah. All right, I've got a question for you that I want to know. Go on. We talked about how rowing language is insane. And then you came to the UK at 16 with not much English. How the hell do you learn English rowing language when you don't even know English? It was it was easy because I learned English, rowing English before I learned English. Yeah. Because um, obviously my hands hurt a lot when I was learning English because there was a lot of pointing and moving my hands around trying to like describe stuff or I don't know. You just, I guess you fit the words and the sounds that people are shouting at you, the coaches, etc., and you try and match them to the right actions. And if you get a good positive response, that means that you've probably made like a good connection. But if, but if you hear like your coach be absolutely disgruntled, you're like, ah, oh, okay, no, I need to, I need to do something different. But like jokes aside, I think I did some form of research on like what the phrases should be. But the, the, the weirdest thing is English, rowing English is like three times as broad as rowing Polish. And there's so many different ways to describe motions which aren't even talked about in, in another country right so there are things that i've i would hear from the coaches and i have never heard before or because it was worded in such a way it just made so much more sense like the explanations were better or, or just just different like focusing on like different key points like you know i would always hear like right you need to keep your arms long and you need to sort of like pull your body mass along etc but like actually having it explained in a in a way where you know, you, you have to focus on the actual levers and uh, how the boat's applying. And like, you know, we always say legs and back in Poland. But in the UK, it's legs and hips, isn't it? Yep. And that makes more sense. Because legs, like... hips. <laughs> exactly. Like if you try and just like throw your back around, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to stay connected to the boat or that you're not just going to like arch up and crawl your back and leaf at the end of the stroke. Versus when you use your hips, you know you have to stay tall, you have to stay long. It just, I think 
it's like any language you know so when you learn a different language you kind of learn a different like uh, a different view of the world but also i guess if every word is foreign to you like like there's no difficult there's no difference between the ones you know and the ones you don't know and then i guess it's right like we use some weird words but we use them a hell of a lot so it's repetition isn't it like you're using you're going to hear gay pin spoon so much like eventually you're going to pick up what so also like what are some like direct translations that sound like funny maybe like from like polish like if you don't call it a gate you call it i don't know whatever oh so it's a gate is called dulka but i don't actually know what a dulka is i just know that it's called that a gate makes more sense because you put your oar in it and then you close it so it's like a gate there must be some like literal translations which sound quite funny uh let me think do you know what? I think the funny translations come from English onto Polish and not the other way around in, in most of the time because, like I said, Eng rowing English is like so much more broad than rowing Polish. But w one example is a cleaver, right? It's a, it's a type of shape of an oar. And in Poland, it's called an axe. You know, you say you're rowing with an axe oar, which is siekierka. And yeah, I like that. I like to row with an axe. Sounds like you're going to war a bit more. Wait, is that not what rowing is? Well, we don't even because not not a lot of people even call them cleavers anymore. Just big spoons, big blades. Yes. There just there isn't even the separation is there because no one rows with macons, so it's just a blade. Now. Yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that macons were called macons. I just kept 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 calling them spoons, but no one actually pointed the fact out to me that uh, a spoon is just what you call the end of an oar. The the actual blade is called a spoon. I tell you what is weird is those new sculling ones that are like almost like a circle. Oh, the comps comps. I saw them in Ireland. They're weird. Yeah, it's just supposed to make your rate much higher, basically. Oh, okay. So that you can put less watts down and then just put them more frequently, which doesn't sound like the type of rowing I like. But yeah, I, le I definitely learned to row. I learned to row with wooden oars. Yeah, so no. So like you, you'd you call macarons little spoons, basically like teaspoons. Like a teaspoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah like a teaspoon. <laughs> that's, a good that's, one. That's, that's exactly what you row with. Like you go up to the start line. Okay, well, make sure your teaspoons are squared. In the water. <laughs> so I learned to row with teaspoons. Now I row with an axe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that sounds like a good advert for Polish rowing. <laughs> no, but there, there are some funny things. I mean, there's probably a lot more, like I said, like rowing terminology in English that is just it just makes more sense the way that it's called here. But like, you don't have like a direct comparison in in Polish. So, for example, in Polish, we don't have square blades. We don't have feather blades. We say with feathering or with twist or without twist. Yeah. So, you, you know, you're not going to say, okay, square blades now. You're going to say, okay, and now we're going to start twisting. Like, what even is feather? What does feathered mean? Like, what do you mean feathered? That's not even, it doesn't even describe the action that we're doing. Like I said, like in Poland, at least you said with a twist or without a twist. Like, yeah. feathered. It doesn't make sense. Like, you think it makes sense because you've just heard it so many times that when you say the word, you see the action in your head. Yeah. But it actually doesn't... But also, like, square. To right? feather something. What do you even mean to feather? Like, it doesn't make sense. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know, yeah. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. In Poland, we don't really do commands the same way that we do in England. So, in England, you know, b before you take a stroke, right, all crew, from backstops, we're going to do this, 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 and that. Ready, go. And Poland is just go. And just figure out along the way. I guess it's just more like oh, you, fucking oh, get on with you've it. ever had an American Cox? No. Ah, oh, and that's another different way. It's not easy yours, it's Wayne off. Nah. Like, there's just there's not that's not any worse. It's just different. 
like easy oars. I guess like easy as in like stop moving. But again, it's like a weird, it's a weird one. Oh, it was like row easy, maybe. Like weighing off and yeah, they're just like, the, like exactly what you just said, like the timing of like in England, it would be like, or, or the UK would like build up to next stroke, you know, on the half ready, go. Like there'll be that like, build up to it. Uh-huh. And then like, I think American coxes, it's more like into ready, go. Like it's just a little bit more like, sharper well i've heard into one two which isn't actually it's not the most transparent call in the world uh and obviously they don't have they don't do they don't do um strokes on the bow side they'll do port and starboard we don't do strokes on bow side in poland either do you have port and starboard no what do you have you row with a right blade or with a left blade but you row on the right side or you row on the left side port and starboard is actually like the nautical terminology of like boats out to sea sorry help me out nautical like boats like on the on the water right on the high seas um (laughs) so like that would that would probably be actually like the more official boat terminology like if you were if you were like sailing on a boat and you saw an iceberg on your port side you know on your port side would be facing the front port side is your left side so it's your stroke side right so you wouldn't say like iceberg on stroke side You'd be like, iceberg on port side. Yeah. So like the, the American choose port and starboard makes right. more sense. Consider this, iceberg on your right. Who's right? Boom. My right. Yeah, but who's right? Because some of you are facing front and some of you are facing back. That's why you can't use right and left. No, but that's what, that's what it makes perfect sense to use it. No, it doesn't make perfect sense because the cox is facing one way. And so if as a cox, you say, oh my God, hold up on the right. Who's right? My right or your right? Because there's ah, two different rights. Okay, right. So it's because English isn't a fully developed, well, it is, but it's, it's, it's a simpleton of a language. You don't have like 20,000 different forms and t- tenses of the same word. Because if I say on the right side or like on the right blade, it, you can kind of pick it up from the context, but I guess it doesn't trans- translate that well to English. No, I guess that's why they're named. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, also like another another weird thing, we don't have front stops or back stops in Poland. Yeah, what do you have? Well, you, you just do not have the position name like as in front stops and back stops. It's like not a direct front. So where do you start from? So you have to say go to the finish of the stroke. You have to like say it the long way. You can't finish. just say back stops now. Get, get on with it. Finish positions. Yeah, go to the finish position. Yeah, interesting. I would like to know what other. Uh, if anyone else listening from all around the world, this is a this is not a plug. I'm just generally interested. Like, do you have different ways? Like, do you use port starboard? Is yeah. there is there ones we don't know, or are there some funny trans? There must be some funny translations. Like, you know, like someone's calls like the loom, like their rod or something. I don't know. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, there must be some yeah. quite funny translations. I would think like rowing, like the rowing dictionary in english is absolutely mental like none of it makes any sense pin what pin it's not pin it's a, what, it's a bolt it's with you, with pin, you, yeah it? true 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 it's a bolt it is a gate it makes sense it is kind of like a gate that like that makes sense but like yeah rigors a foot stretcher it doesn't stretch your foot or the foot that i'm doing my feet when we're not like someone was it suzu said that like or jack no, no like oh you know i like Oh, the feet are wet. Like, the feet aren't wet. The shoes are wet. What are you talking about? Why do we call shoes feet only when they're in the boat? Well, I guess it's proper weird. Yeah. No, but definitely. And also, we know that you're listening from, like, a bunch of different countries. Like, I went through, like, the little thing that you see on Spotify, and you can see, like, see what countries people are listening from. 
I swear, like we, we have people well, like get from, it up, get it up now. Yeah, right. let's have a look. This will be this is fun. This is cool. This is cool to see where people are listening from. Right. So I'm just going to go through like some countries that I wouldn't expect people to be listening to us from, like the Philippines. Oh yeah, uh, Albania. I didn't know there were Albanian rowers listening to us. There, there are is- Albanian rowers, or there are are there rowers on holiday in Albania? Oh, that is a good question. Um, Tanzania. Okay. Yeah. In Africa, South Korea. Yeah. Well, yeah, because there's Seoul, they had the Olympics, and the 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 World Championships in 2013 was was South Korea. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then okay, we've got Uzbekistan, we've got Morocco, Oman, Kuwait, classic oh, man. classic rowing nations. Great. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. We've got someone from Greenland, so. Maybe maybe you're just erging because there's uh, the water's frozen. But hopefully <laughs> we'll have put some, some links. More, yeah, we'll put some more erging episodes out. Yeah, we've got people from the Faroe Islands, from Thailand, from Indonesia, from Cyprus, Vietnam. Does it tell you total number of countries? It doesn't tell me a total number of countries, but there's a lot. There's quite a lot. Yeah, that's awesome. So no, it's it's interesting. If you're from any of those countries and you listen to this one, give us a shout out. Shout in the comments. Say hi. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'd, no, I'd that, love to hear. That'd be great. And let us know like about the rowing terminology because that is like pretty funny. I'm trying to think about like there's some people more seem. Stuff. Yeah, there'll definitely be some more stuff. People seem quite um, scared to like write a comment like publicly. Like we get quite we message quite a lot like privately, but people, I don't know if people don't want to don't want to mess or they do, you don't want to be like the first person to message. I guess. Yeah, you don't want to be stuck out on your own. But it helps the algorithm. Yeah, that as well, definitely, yeah. I don't want to be that guy. Like, like, share, subscribe, subscribe, follow me, do this, do that, all the rest of it. Like, nah. Hey, guys, just before we get into the show, just don't forget to like, share, subscribe, comment. How many times do you hear that? Like, when you're on the videos, I can't bored of that. I kind of want to do that. Skip. Yeah. yeah. Exactly, yeah. Skip 10, skip 10, skip 10. Do you think people skip 10 hour? our intro <laughs> probably <laughs> no but you sk- you can skip back as well to watch it again i think i think that's more likely the case yeah it's that good oh it's gonna get even better right okay so you can't choose a crew partner for the pair outside of you know your results basically choosing them for you yeah but how do you choose who you row in a hands cup with and what the hell is hands cup you don't. That's another one. You don't. There, I don't. There aren't many scenarios I think in rowing where the athlete gets to choose the crew, the crew combination. I would say, unless they're you know very very experienced and part of the part of the um, selection process. You know, in a, in a college setup, maybe a captain, whatever is involved in the selection process potentially. But um, the hands are cut. So I think we've spoken about this briefly before. It's a it's an invitational um, race in Germany. It's billed as the longest race in the world. So I think it was twelve and a half thousand, uh, twelve thousand five hundred meters, and then there was like some other um, uh, event in in America, or I think it was America popped up. It was like twelve thousand six hundred meters. So then they just brought the finish, brought the uh, start line a little bit further over. So now it's twelve thousand seven hundred fifty meters. So it's officially still the longest rowing race in the world. And it's done on like a bank holiday weekend in Germany. It's done on the Kiel Canal um, in northern Germany, which is like a big shipping lane. So it's just a massive straight. Oh, it's a straight, isn't it? Well, there was a few kinks, but for the most part, it's just a huge, big shipping shipping lane. And so Germany is Germany, Great Britain, Canada, America, Poland. 
um, are invited. And depending, so it normally happens sort of uh, late September, early October, this, this bank holiday weekend. So it's post World Championships. So quite often, uh, some of the best athletes will be will be on their time off. So the two times I did it was more of a, of a de- development crew. Um, so it was uh, a bunch of guys who were sort of close into the team or just sort of on the fringes or spares and things like that. Um, and I went there and, like I said, it's all paid for. Like, they pay for the flights and everything. GB Rangers have to pay, so it's pretty easy to put a team in. You go and have a race, and it's, like, massively televised. There were people on the bank the whole way, like, the whole way from start to finish. Yeah. Not, like, packed, like, through the middle, but, like, the whole way that there are people down there, which is pretty cool. Shit, that's 12K. Yeah, and you get into the finish, and it's massive. There's, like, a, there's like a big... Um, kind of festival area where there's lots of like you know shops and like trade stands and music and it's the this the um ceremony like the medal ceremony is is uh televised on on tv on german tv the first year i went and did it the canadians got bronze and when they went up we'd had some banter with the canadians and when they went up to get their medals presented the front of the stage i won't name who it was one of the guys from the british team runs up behind him and like debags him like takes his trousers down but his pants come down as well. So this guy's like full front or nude on national German TV. <laughs> Probably like not about like the Germans are okay with nudity. So like no one lost their mind, but like the Canadian guy, oh my God, like if it wasn't on camera, he would have hit like, there definitely would have been a fight. So this guy like pulls his trousers and turns around to like hit this kid. And then it's like, ah, I'm on national TV. I don't think I can do this. So he like kind of gets away with it. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's really huge. There's Germany's big for rowing anyway. There's autograph hunters. They'll wait in your hotel lobby. They've got pictures of you printed out. They've got like your name printed out. They wait for you to like sign stuff. And uh, I did it one year with Tommy Burton. It's a funny guy. And um, the autograph hunters had all been down in the in the lobby. And we'd all, I mean, I'd never really signed autographs for anyone before. So I thought it was quite cool. So I'm signing autographs for all these guys. And Tommy Burton's like avoiding all of them. And he's like, he's like, uh, he's like not signing any and he's like running off and stuff and I was like oh, what's he doing and we all get on the bus and like Tommy's like oh yeah I didn't sign any because like one day if I do get big I want to make sure my signature's worth more because <laughs> there's not going to be as many out there but these guys were like so insistent they were literally like hounding our coach Pete Shep was like hounding like please please we've got everyone except Tommy Burton please 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 because they got this crew list and they just want to they want to get everyone like I'm not, they, they, they know we're a development crew, but obviously as an autograph hunter, they're like, well, if I can get this guy now, you know, you never know, you know, he's a British athlete. He could, he could go on doing amazing things. Um, so Shep even came on the bus and was like, ah, Tommy, come on, come and give these guys a bloody autograph. Like, well, you know, like I can't get them off, you know, they won't bloody leave me alone. Uh, so I think he did get off the bus and sign some, but that was funny. I think at that time as well, I was signing mine with the with a year as well. I was putting like the year in it. So I thought, man, imagine if I ever get to see this again. Like I'd know. Oh, if yeah. I see this thing on eBay or whatever, you know, like if I make it, whatever. Uh, it was quite funny. Um, well, maybe maybe one of our listeners does have that autograph. And now they're like, oh, wait, I kind of... No, you didn't have a beard though, did you? No, there was quite a good one in the first, the first year we went. Um, so the main race is on the Sunday, this 12.7 K race, but like on the Friday night, you do, um, you do a 500 meter ergo team race on stage with the cameras and stuff at this venue. Well, like a relay. Uh, you just do it all at the same time and you oh. take your average score. So you do that. And then Saturday you're supposed to do like a sprint event. It's like a, a short sprint event at another venue. But that first year we went out, um, 
the weather was awful on the Saturday, like really, really bad. Uh, so they cancelled the sprint event, but the but um, Shep was like, we're going to go out and we're going to do, we're going to have a paddle. We're at least going to have a paddle. We were at least going to paddle the boat round from where we were training to the venue. Um, so like we'd be in the right place when we when we when the boat left the next day. Um, so we went out for this paddle, and the local newspaper took photos of us in like awful water. I've got it somewhere. I've still got the paper. <laughs> um, and then we land on the on the back page of the sports, like front full half page on the back of the sport. Like you know, our British eight goes out in ridiculous weather. So then when we came in for. Um, after the race, we came in, we did the, the ceremony and we came out of the VIP section and we came out to all these crowds and they've all got this newspaper. All of them have bought this newspaper and they've got our picture on it and they want us to sign it. So they spend, then they spend like 30 minutes like signing autographs, which is just like surreal, like absolutely ridiculous. Um, we've been given these caps from one of the sponsors, like people like taking the caps off, signing the caps, like throwing them into the crowd. People are like, ah, like... It's just mainly like they don't know who we are. It's just like we were the guys from backstage. You know, these are the rowers at the event. You know, they must be they must be a big deal or whatever. So you were just spending your entire weekend signing autographs and rowing in terrible water, being featured on national television and in the papers. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. Um, the whole the whole time you're there, you get chauffeured around in these like long wheelbase Audi A8. You have your own chauffeur drivers. They take you wherever you want. And bougie. Yeah, you go to these dinners. Um, on you know, Friday night, you go to this, like, you know, patron's dinner or whatever. There's load, loads of the sponsors and people are there for this big dinner. TV cameras are there interviewing you. I got interviewed by this German woman, a TV camera, like, full set of TV camera interview. You know, like, I know we're here as a Development 8. Like, obviously, I know we're Development 8. This is probably two, 2010, 2009, 2010. So the German 8, a world champion world champions yeah this is what like they're unbeaten don't they They go like 9 10 11 like unbeaten so yeah, it's yeah. like in the middle of they're just like unstoppable since canada you know won in in uh in beijing like it's just been germany 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 so she comes up and, like has a camera like puts it puts the thing in my face and it's like oh so how do you think you're gonna do tomorrow and like suddenly realize why all athletes in interviews will just give like generic results because you're like i know like i'm gonna be like this is gonna be on tv so like i'm gonna sit here and be like oh we're gonna absolutely do the germans <laughs> like and like you said like not give my enemy any any more reason to to want to beat me like i can't say that i also can't sit here and say like listen i'm a development squad we're gonna get spanked like i don't want anyone to see that i don't i don't even think i've got a chance so then you're left just having to do this like run of the mill down the mid road well you know the germans are the best but over 2k this is a 12k race anything can happen you know we just can't can't count on anything you know anything can happen in a long race like this and you know all things are different and it's never over till it's over but anyway meanwhile as she's asking me these questions which i just i'm just like oh, they're difficult to answer you know oh, how, how's your crew doing how are you feeling you know like oh, yeah we're feeling good you know it's been pretty good yeah, just like meanwhile Okay, so behind, again, I'm not going to mention who this is, but it's the same guy that pulled the Canadian's trousers down. He goes behind the woman, and she's, this is like not even fun, like, this is not even funny. She's like interviewing her like this, and he goes right behind her, puts his hands like, like where she is, and pretends to like fake honk her boobs, <laughs> whilst she is interviewing me. So I'm... I try, I, I'm like trying to just completely ignore the fact that this guy 
is like trying to put me off. I'm like, I can't laugh. I'm embarrassed. I'm like so embarrassed. I'm like, if she sees what he's doing, she's going to think I'm part of it. Like, I'm still like a like, young kid. This is um, one of my first, you know, like this is the first experience of like growing in Germany, you know, like being being treated as a sort of a VIP athlete or whatever. I was like, oh, I just didn't know what to do. So like the whole time just going through this interview, just just trying not to like, laugh or look down or him just trying to be an idiot he's been an idiot with his hands he's, he's like you know putting his hands up behind her head or whatever just just being like a total idiot i don't but don't even know how she didn't even see what he, he was up to but um that's what i was gonna ask it was all it was awful that was actually quite awful that um but yeah like then and yeah so there's all that sort of stuff happens and then you finish that weekend just being like that was that was absolutely insane to kind of taste what it would be like to act to like some level of fame but at the same time like so thankful that like, there's no way i would want to live my life like that like having to worry about going into the lobby because there are people you know not worry but you know what there are people i went down <laughs> i went there i was staying in a room with nathan uh riley o'donnell noddy and uh we when we first came downstairs for breakfast that morning these two guys started walking up to us and was like oh uh nathan nathan thomas can we have an autograph autograph Nathan was like after breakfast after breakfast sorry <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> just like acting like a proper prima donna like i need my coffee before i sign autograph <laughs> uh which i found hilarious at the time he's a bit older than me so i was sort of like definitely i think he'd done that event before sort of learning learning the ropes from him a little bit he was uh he was good I like that was a good event actually for me. He really he helped he helped me sort of navigate it because it was even more than any other rowing events. It was like sort of overload with everything that's going on. So yeah, hands a cup is insane. Do you, do you get to wear like different kit when you rowing for GB for our hands a cup? No, we just wear we wore um, what was the the World Cup all in ones at the time, which was the blue bottoms, white top with the red and blue. You know, like dark blue, red. You know the one. Of course, you know, I know the one. one. Yeah. Uh, with the lottery funding on it. Um, yeah, it's like it's like Telefy's on like Eurosport or something. We go to the bar afterwards, and they put the race on for you. And you're like watching the race, and you're like, twenty minutes in, and you're like, fucking, I still go. <laughs> like, and it all looks the same because it's just like helicopter. There's a helicopter follows you the whole way, and it's just pointing down on this big stretch of rivers. Like the like, it just looks the same. The whole thing looks the same. The bank is the same. There's people down the whole bank. You just go past container ships so it's just like it's like goes on and then just like 30 minutes in like oh my god it's like we're still rowing and then the other thing is like the the camera crews the the boats you know like a, in the boat race you have the flotilla that sits behind yeah you have a flotilla like that but they follow the germans so as soon as the germans get clear water the flotilla will then just start to move past the other crews. So then you get like half sunk in their wash and then have to sit in their wash, just battling it out. You do get paid. Uh, there's like prize money. I think a thousand euros per athlete if you win, 500 for second place and 250 for third place. That's not bad. You don't get that in rowing. No, not a lot. No. So third, so the second time we went, we got third place. We beat the Polish and someone else, I think. Nice. Uh, so yeah, we got some we got some money for that, which was quite fun. Wait, so it's out of five, and you you get prize money for third, top three, yeah. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah, and it's good. Yeah, the money's good. It's a spon- big sponsors. Like it's a big deal. It's this big. I I can't remember what it is, but it's a big public sort of like public holiday, bank holiday weekend. There's all sorts of stuff going on. It's a big part of the tradition up there. I guess kind of like their their boat race in a way. It also helps that Germany wins it quite a lot, so they're all pretty happy to be there and watch watch their event. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you've got obviously just like national teams and everything. So it's a bit, it's something that you can definitely like put on TV. It's not uh, a random scratch eight racing with prize money. It's like some proper big names going there. Yeah, it's good. And the other crews, not the Germans, but the other crews all, we like had dinner. Like we had went to an Italian restaurant once with the Canadians and the Americans. It was really fun to talk to them about how, um, like how their system works, how they get funding and uh, their training centers and stuff. That was pretty cool. And because it's like such a crazy event and it's it's not like a Olympic distance, you know, it's this crazy distance that like there's a lot less kind of like secrecy and standoffishness between between countries. A lot of the athletes join in together a bit more. We all take the same coach on the way up again, apart from the Germans. So um, there's a lot of banter on the bus. There's like <laughs> we went on the bus one time. We were like quite late on and uh it's like the Americans and the Canadians kind of already sat down. There's like not that many seats left. And then like the the English boys are like walking on and one of the Americans is like, seats taken. Which is like a, from Forrest Gump. It's like a quote from Forrest Gump when he gets on the bus. Oh, and then yeah. like he laughs and like walks a little bit forward and then one of the Canadian goes, can't sit here. Which is like the next thing that they say to him. And then the the thing from Forrest Gump is that the girl that he fancies at the back is like, oh, you can sit here. So then there's a guy from the back, another American from the back, because they're like, you can see here if you want. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's just cracking up. Like, it's like, go to war. Like, you know, it's going to be horrible. Like, everyone's going to suffer. So, like, we may as well <laughs> have a bit of a, have a bit of a laugh here first. That's pretty good. What, what the hell do you rate during that race for like 30 minutes of rowing up, 30 minutes of racing? So it's basically, it's 2K to the first kink, the bend. Um, and you go off stake boats in the middle, side by side. Oh. And you know, you basically know at the time, like I said, the first time we did it, we knew the Germans were fast. So you knew, you know, as soon as the Germans get up, you're in wash and it's over. Um, and you also sort of know that if you can position yourself in behind with the Germans, you can sort of hold on to their coattails and you can sort of stay ahead of that flotilla. Once where that separation comes in, no one's coming back. Like no one's going to row through eight launches of wash to come back at you. Eight. So basically, everyone's going off to do a two k race. It's get to the corner first, and then just try and survive. So you've got so you race a two k, and then you hang on for ten point seven. That is, that, I can't imagine anything better or oh, worse. It's just than pain. That. It's pain beyond all levels of pain. So you just basically, you know, going into it that you're going to be blowing by yeah. the time by the time you've done your two k. Yeah, you're hundred percent going to blow, and you've just got to you just got to try and like find something, some level that you can maintain on, and it's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. And like, do the cocks just like talk every stroke, or is there like sometimes they take like a minute off or? can't remember i think mentally i've blanked i've blanked out <clears throat> i remember like the first time we did it and we got stuck behind the wash and then poland went out ahead of us and it was like we're not we're gonna come last here and this is horrific and i never want to do it in my life again and then i did it again well yeah why'd you do it again just didn't really have a like um i didn't really have an opportunity like to say no like i didn't feel like i could say no you know like i was like on the cusp of making the team i'd been asked to do it like i couldn't really be like nah i don't fancy it I did say no the third time I got offered it, which really? was in 2012 with the year I did go into the team. I was like, it was very late. So the call came out very late. It was like, listen, does anyone want to do it? And like, we just had a really long season because we'd, we'd started in the 1st of September and then um, 
well, then we went to European Championships, which is like at the end of September. So we had like a thirteen-month season. Um, I was like, I need, I need a break. So I didn't do it a third time, which I'm not upset about. He <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't want to go for the hat trick. No, all right, no. All right, I've got a little game for us to play. I want to know if we build out fantasy eights, whose eights going to be faster? And the caveat is. We cannot name the same athletes and we're going to do a little rock, paper, scissors to see who gets to start choosing first. All right. Also, I want to see if anyone else has got an eight that can beat our eights. Yeah. Or it probably you... wouldn't be super hard because if you have knowledge of more countries, you probably, I don't know. I reckon it could be being. We, we, we could do internationals as well. You know, it, yeah. it doesn't uh, anyone, to... so anyone goes. Any, anyone goes, exactly. But we can't name the same people. All right. We'll just rock, paper, scissors it. I think I won. So let's do a 2K race side by side. Yeah. What kind of start? State boats then if we're doing 2K. So standing start 2K, yeah? Yeah. I'm going to say it's going to be in Plovdiv where the under-23s just were. So it's super hot. Hot and fast. Yeah. What? So now we're going to take it in turns. Yeah, so I said it's in Plovdiv, so you get to choose who the coach is. Okay. Well, seeing as I'm choosing the best athletes in the world, I don't necessarily need like a great technical coach. I need like a, a coach for good head game. I'm going to go Henry Bauhashweb. You're going to choose Henry, yeah? Yeah, he's got a good he's a, he's a good finishing coach. He was my finishing coach two years in uh, for under 23s. He's got, he's got good mind games. He knows how to like get you set up. Like when we went out paddling uh, in my first year under 20, 23s and he was like, whatever happens, like no one overtakes us. No one overtakes us. And like we started the warm up. We'd like, we were like a K in doing like arms and body and, you know, like first six inches off the front or whatever. And then the German A starts coming up and Henry's like, we had Henry filming. Henry's like, right, Henry. So it's like straight to full eight. And we did like battle paddling. I pissed them off so much like we would spin early quick and then wait for them and then as soon as they started paddling then just beast it and just sit two lengths out in front for like the whole session he's good he's got a good mind game so yes yeah, so i'll choose him to coach nice okay well also shout out henry we're definitely gonna have to get you on the podcast yeah for sure all right so i'm going to choose who do, who do i want to okay cool i'm gonna choose carl reed because that's a that's a coach that I can trust, that I can rely on. Uh, he's got he's got good knowledge, and then sometimes you need a bit of a bio, biomechanical intra analysis. Also, we're going to get Carl on the podcast. Yeah, we're just choosing. Is this just we're choosing people who are going to get on the podcast? <laughs> All right. So you got first first pick of Cox. First pick of Cox, obviously, naturally, Phelan Hill, the legend. Yeah, Phelan. Um, no, I'm, I'll take Philman then. I'll take Henry Philman. You taking Henry? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to write this down. I want to know what mine is. Okay, can you write mine out as well? Yeah. Okay, so I've got first pick a stroke. Yeah. Who do you think I'm going for? I know who you're going for. Who? I think you're going for Sachi. Yeah. <laughs> you bastard, I wanted to go for it. Only because I've never rode... I don't know any athlete who's like more capable of like stepping up when he needs to. So like, if he's if you if you're going to take an eight out and you're going to come and like sit up against like the biggest eight in the world, like I couldn't think of any other stroke man who, who would be like capable of be like 
cool let's let's do it let's raise the bar okay well i think i've got one that can rival it oh yeah and is the uh is the 2016 version of stanley ludis oh you've got a year well it, it, it can be but that's, that's that's what i'm thinking in my head so yeah i'm going for constantine ludis i mean a huge athlete all right so then you've got first pick seven seat Mm. I just want to make sure I don't just name the entire British eight, but I think Eric Murray. Yeah. From the obviously the New Zealand pair. Shout out Eric. Would love to have you on the show. Uh, let us know when you're in the UK. Uh, we can do Zoom, but we'd rather sit, sit with you in person. I'll probably go like, I don't know what side, like. Like one of the Aussie, like the awesome foursome, or like Drew Jin. But I don't know if he's bow side. He's bow side, yeah. Yeah, I'll go Drew Jin then. Six. Who am I going? Six. I know who I'm choosing for six. You are the Hodge. <laughs> <laughs> am I going to steal him off you? <laughs> I'm neither confirming nor denying. Uh... No, I'll go like. What's like, what's like, Greg, is Gregor's stroke side? Gregor's stroke side. Yeah, I'll take, yeah, take Gregor's. Greg who? Alex Gregory. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't And you're going hard. I'm going Andrew Tweaks hard. Shout out. Please come on the podcast. All right. Man. <laughs> now you've got five as well. Yeah, obviously. So you're going to go really. No. Who? Mo Sabihi, ah. the newly selected athlete commissioner for British rowing. Congrats on that. All right, well, then I'm going Pete Reid. You're going to put Pete Reid behind Alex Gregory? It's a good choice. Yeah, I've, I'm basically... Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, I'm not leaving him out. All right. You got four seats. No, I've got four seats. Well, it's probably me then, isn't it? <laughs> Are you going to go on strike side? No. I am not in this eight. I'll tell you that much. Uh, choose carefully. I'm trying to think if there's, there's anyone else like from... Well, what about Bond? Yeah, I'm going to aim for Who do you want then? Oh, I, I want the Sinkovich brother, but the one with the hair. Valen Sinkovich. Which one? What's he called? Valen Sinkovich, yeah. Valen. I cannot spell that. Um, and then I think I've got three C. Yeah, you got three C. Who's um, your three turn? <laughs> Who's my three turn? Oh, shit. James Cracknell. James Cracknell, yeah, on bow side. name. Not a three turn, but an engine. That is an engine. You do want an engine in three C, don't you? I think maybe like I'm gonna go power to weight Gotrol. Okay. It's an absolute force. And then you've got two seats straight away after that. Mm, I'm thinking if I can go someone someone not from the UK. Like all the New Zealanders, apart from Bonner Murray, they're like scholars, aren't they? I don't know, man. Two seat. I'll just go for the easy, for the easy pick. Well, who is your easy two seat pick? 
Mate. Yeah. <laughs> Are you actually? That would be a nice eight to row in though, wouldn't it? I've rowed with a few of them, not all of them. Um, oh, I'm annoyed that I think you're going to pick the bowman that I want. Who do you think I'm going to pick? And I'll tell you if I'm going to pick him or not. Oh, well, I've got two. I've got two options. So, stroke. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I don't know why I've put him in the TC, but I'm going Pinson. <laughs> <laughs> Just for comedy value. <laughs> Matt Pinson in the TC. <laughs> so, put him in his place a little bit. <laughs> to your seat, you're a little bit late to the catch. So, who are you going to seat? Oh, this is this is difficult now. This has just become really, really difficult. Um, yeah, because there's like too many names. You don't like initially. It's like oh, I'll just grab a few, but then when you get to the end, you're like, oh, who am I going to leave out? Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Um, too, I need a stroke side then. I can't just crack the little strokes. I can I? No, you can't have the same guy in point. <laughs> I'm quite impressed that we've like put two eights together with no, with like as this impressive and no crossover. No crossover, right? So two seat. I am gonna have to go with Steve Williams. Oh, good choice on stroke side. That's right, but right behind Cracknell. I'm going Tim Foster then and Bassey. I were you going to go for that? I was considering that. That's not necessarily who I was going to pick. Yeah, I'm Alex. Just, I, 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 I'm so stuck because I, I want, to, I want to have Alex Partridge, but I also really want Redis in the boat. In the bow. <laughs> yeah, let's put Steve Redgrave as an emergency bow seat. All right. So does Will Satch, Drew Jin, Alex Gregory, Pete Reed, Hamish Bond, Matt Gottrell, Matt Pinson, and Tim Foster coxed by Henry Fieldman? Beat or lose to Stanley Ludus, Eric Murray, Andy Hodge, Mosebihi, Valon Sinkovic, James Cracknell, Steve Williams, Steve Redgrave, Phelan Hill. I don't know who wins, but I want to see that race. <laughs> I want to see that race too. Over 2K, standing start from Plomdiv. In that, in that, in their prime, like all in their prime. Yeah. Prime. So is that the exact seat order? That's finalized. Because I would love to see that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, imagine if you could play around with the seat order as well, though. Like, obviously, like, get Pinson. Oh, I don't But then, like, would you put Pinson in six? Greg, it depends. Like, Yeah, you put Gregor's up too, but you put Pinson at six, yeah. I think. I don't think you waste Foster in the bow seat. Either. But then Drew Jin is just like, Selkie's moving along. Well, oh. that's why you want him in the bow, and not in the seven seat. You want Tim to be in the seven seat some absolute power in those eights so if anyone's into their ai and you're able to like recreate this race uh yeah i want to see a simulation of that we need like top trumps for their for their stats okay yeah. that'd be cool like in fifa yeah all right let's do a women's quad women's quad yeah all right rock paper scissors I just beat you again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I'm choosing event type. I am going for Met Regatta. <laughs> just for the shits and going to rock up a Met and absolutely smash it. Just at least two quads like taking chunks out of each other. Yeah. I'm like 250 up on the on the crowd. All right, so... For putting their boat away and, and, and de-rigging it whilst everyone else is still at the case. So you said Met. So I got to choose coach first, so you got to go coach. Who's coaching it? 
I don't actually know that many women's coaches. You can have any coach. Jürgen. Well, yeah, he picked. He, he coached the women, didn't he? Yeah. Okay, so you got Jürgen. Who would I choose? For? Um, oh, I go Jane Hall. Oh yeah, good choice. Good coach. Good yeah. choice. Shout out, Jane. Yeah, come on it. Come on the podcast. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, there's no Cox, so stroke seat. Well, I'm choosing again first. No, you got the first pick now. Oh, okay. Well, I'll go Catherine Granger then. DKG? Yeah. Yeah, DKG. We're going to be at the DKG gym in two weeks. Yeah, up in, up in Edinburgh with like 50 ergs. Yeah. Okay, stroke seat. Hmm. Gotta have to go Vicky. Yeah, nice. Vicky Thornley. All right, then I'm going uh, Napkova. <laughs> Merka, yeah, the, yeah. the 2012 single scholar champion. 2012 Olympic gold medalist in the women's single. Also Czech, like my wife, so sort of like feel like I'm half half on their team. Okay. Well, but an absolute savage. Like she's like a bit like power to weight, incredible. You want, you want to get an absolute savage in a three-seat? I'm going for Emma Twig. Ooh. Checkmate. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want to watch this race now. Can we find a way? Can we get this podcast big enough that we just get to to arrange worldwide grudge matches between set, like... <laughs> that would be good. Like a Premier League of rowing. Ooh. Yeah. Um, okay. So now I'm going for two-seat. No, it's mine. Oh, it's your turn? Oh no, sorry, it is your turn, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because we can swap. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so two seed. So I need I need someone strong and powerful. It's the two seed. How about Debbie Flood? Oh, I was gonna choose Debbie. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, shout out Debbie. She is honestly one of the nicest people that I've ever got to meet at Leander. And she gave me a bunch of kit. She's for, awesome. She was the awesome captain great. for a while down there as well when we were there. I think she was the captain when I first rocked up. She also is absolutely infamous for letting the car run out of fuel. Yeah. <laughs> it's like running on empty all the time. <laughs> um, damn, I wanted Debbie. So who are you going for? Katarina Carsten. I've seen her out at, at Essen Regatta. We went out and did Essen International Regatta. She just rocks up. She's got like a big camper, like a big, like long wheelbase camper van. Like her and her, I think it's her boyfriend or partner, uh, like the single on the top. She just spends like every summer just touring. Europe smashing races. That is exactly what I want everything. Um, you get, okay, the, so you get the first pick of the battle, so choose wisely. I know who I'm going for. I might go Fran Horton. Houghton Horton. 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 She's a she's a beast. And like I've got quite a tall like maybe apart from that cover, I've got quite a tall quad anyway, so I think she'll fit fit quite well. Well, I'm going for Kat Copeland. Ah. Yeah. A little bow seat. Bow seat, sp- smooth, silky, fast, strong, powerful. Silky smooth. Silky smooth. All right, so we've got a quad of Catherine Granger, Mirka Napkova, uh, Katarina Carsten, and Fran Houghton versus Vicky Thornley, Emma Twig, Debbie Flood, and Cap Copeland. I don't know who wins, but I want to watch it. I was coached by Jürgen as well. Coached by Jürgen. Who am I coached by? Jane Hall. Oh, both good. Okay, and and honourable mention Kim Kim Crow. Oh, I think she's now Kim Brennan. She was Kim Crow when I was uh, following her races. Australian single scholar. 
I mean, there's too many. Like, there's too many names. Like, even like two eights, you feel with the with the top guys in the world. Like, they're still like spilling over. Yeah. All right. So, not using those names, who can be? Who's who, who's like? You have to like if you're going to bring us a crew. Like, if you're going to message, it has to be like a like a guaranteed win. Like, who's going to like guaranteed to smash that up? Okay. So, think about an eight that consists of none of the athletes that we've um, mentioned, coached by someone entirely different. That can rock up to Plovdiv and smash both those eights in a 2K race side by side, and also a women's squad that's I mean, going to do the exact same. I don't think there's any crew in the world that's going to smash any of those crews. Hang on, not at Meragata. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? You're like, oh yes, I've made the final of Meragata. Who have I got? Right, those are some serious crews. So I'm definitely interested to like hear what uh, what you've got in store and whether you can provide another lineup that could compete right. with that. Even if you just bring this to the uh, to the classic crew rim uh, banter, you know, see that's quite that's quite a good one when you got time downtime between races. Put your super eight together. GB did it once. They put Jurgen Pro out as big old super eight, didn't he, for a World Cup? And they went on the double. Alex Pivish talked about it. Oh yeah, he stuck the four in with like Orm. Uh, Red, Marcus Bateman, and a couple of other guys got an absolute ride. At, well, Orm said he got the ride of his life in, <laughs> in the three seat. I think he, I think he was good enough to be there, but that's pretty cool. He called it Jurgen Super Eight. Jurgen Super Eight, yeah. right? Yeah, cool. Well, that's pretty much it for today. What are we doing in the next couple of weeks? We are fixing a lot of ergos. A lot. Uh, yeah, we're going up to Scotland, Newcastle, Edinburgh, Dundee, St Andrews, uh, Scarborough, Durham. We've got Leander, Twickenham, uh, Putney High School, KGS, Kingston Grammar School. Jeez, the list goes on. We've got some some more CrossFit gyms. We've got a CrossFit gym in um, Perth. Is it Perth? Uh, yeah, yeah, all the way in Scotland. Yeah, Scotland, Perth, not not Australia, Perth. <laughs> uh yeah we're all over the place you can keep keep up with the stories we're going to keep up getting some podcasts out we're going to have an exciting one up in scotland oh yeah uh, i'm not going to mention yet but those of you who know who's up there i know who we're going to go and have a chat with um yeah and keep doing that thing and then and then the fun never stops like up in september we're still going we've got loads of stuff loads more jobs booked in um post post worlds we're obviously going to start getting uh catching up with some of the athletes that have been there um, some of them kind of locked in, but obviously they're busy at the moment. So hopefully, fingers crossed for fantastic worlds and have some interesting stories and some great races to to talk about. We'll get them to bring their gold medals or of medals of any color that they've won at World Championships to come and show off on their podcast. And yeah, we've got we've got some also like really exciting guests booked up. Like uh, so that's that's in September. Yeah, September. We've already got we've already got um, guests. Booked for October. Got some Olympians, some multiple Olympic medalists coming in October. Um, we've got some other, some other really exciting ones. Uh, another one we're not going to talk about, but um, that's going to be fun. But yeah, same, same thing really. Just going to chat shit about Rome. We're going to find out about what it takes. Like we kind of seen that this podcast is moving towards certainly uh, cheat codes, mental health, um, how to look after yourself in Rome, how to get the best out of yourself, but also going to keep it fun have some stories, touch some shit. Um, yeah. So if you want to do that, if you've got any questions, if you want to know anything about any of us or our guests, or you want to see something else on the show, or you think of an idea of a different format, 
or it's just about anything, we're super down to to listen to what you guys want to want to see. Like this, for the most part, is for you. Like I said, hopefully, you know, we get some exposure out of it, and that's great. But we're not here to make money, um, and we're here to just kind of put out the content that people want to see. So if there's if there's something that you'd be interested in seeing, if there's a guest you want to see on, just hit us up. Let us know. Social media, Instagram. Uh, you can post underneath this video or um, get us directly. Yeah. Nice one. And we're definitely going to keep the focus on the business as well because that's, that's that's a huge part. Like, I mean, you have so many crossovers between rowing and business. It would be too dumb not to capitalize on that. So there's definitely some some really exciting things in the works. One last thing I would say is that we are now almost in September. If your club wants to see a samples box, of some fantastic row gear kit do give us a shout and we can arrange that as well but i think for today that's everything yeah i mean we could go on and on about these crews i mean i've got plenty more up my sleeve but we'll save it for next time absolutely so on that note easy there cue the music <laughs>